This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. Would you consider not using a list view in your custom apps? This idea, proposed by Alexis Allen at FileMaker DevCon 2019, is innovative and at the same time logical. List views are so common in the FileMaker design world, it's innovative to think about not having them. And it's logical because it seems not all workflows need a list. Alexis Allen, creator of FM Design University site and the new FileMaker UI UX design community Facebook group, joins me today to talk about her session and design in general. She explains where this workflow-based design idea came from. Alexis is well-known in the FileMaker community for unique thoughts on designing in FileMaker. She's given many presentations on design at FileMaker DevCon and at her user group, and she's worked with Claris partners and users of FileMaker to redesign systems to bring out the efficient workflow in them. It's pretty awesome to think about not having a list view. I know Alexis challenged my own thoughts about FileMaker design. Welcome, Alexis Allen, to the Context Podcast. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you, Jeremy? I'm doing good. Thank you for uh, joining me. We talk technical on the Context Podcast, we talk high level, and we talk design. It occurs to me that those are not three separate things, really, but you know, design can be technical, design can be high level. Um, so it's good to to talk about design because we we actually talk a lot about scripting and stuff here and techniques. So it's good to uh, bring in the design part of it as well. Apparently, design is important, right? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll get into that in a little bit. But here, but let's. Uh, why don't you start by introducing yourself to our audience? Sure. Uh, my name is Alexis Allen, and I'm from Toronto, Ontario. Canada, um, and I'm the president of Hyperspace Data Solutions. Uh, I've been working with FileMaker for quite a while, I think uh, 97 or something like that, version 3. So I've been a developer for a long time, and uh, I've always had an interest in design from kind of my earliest uh, days. So I've kind of followed those two paths sort of in parallel. So um, yeah, now I, I'm sort of really specializing in FileMaker design more than ever which is awesome since I, I really love it. You have a website called FM Design University. Yeah, I do. Um, so I have a design course um, and I've tried to distill, you know, what I know about design, what I think people who are not designers might need to know about designing. And um, I know a lot of scripters and, you know, file maker developers are very sort of mathematical, logical, but I believe that, you know, everyone can design better. Everyone can learn a little bit about design and uh, maybe it's not going to be as exciting to them possibly as, uh, you know, doing something cool with scripting might. But um, I do believe that these are skills that people can can learn essentially. So I've tried to make a course that will explain these uh, concepts, you know, in a fairly uh, easy to understand format and, you know, help people to design better FileMaker solutions ultimately. So I see a lot of articles here and you have your your course. That's great. Do you also do coaching? Do you work I with do. Yep. consultant shops or individuals? All of the above. Uh, I've done a uh, sort of variety of coaching and um, sometimes it's with people and they just want my advice. They want to really do the development themselves and they would just like me to look over their shoulder and make some suggestions. Sometimes it's a combination of they're like, oh, well, you know, I'd like you to give me the starting point of, of you know, maybe redesigning the solution and then I'm going to take it from there. I've had coaching clients just say, you know, you should just do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I've done a lot of sort of different situations and I actually really love coaching. I did sort of private coaching with Salvatore from Goya for about a year and uh, okay. that was really great because, you know, we got a, enough uh, time between sessions for him to kind of incorporate whatever we were talking about, to find new ways to kind of apply those concepts. And I think people learn really well uh, also when they have time, you know, when they're not trying to like forcing themselves to learn everything in a weekend. You know, those, those sessions can be really great when you're doing like very intensive training. But with design, yeah. it's not just about learning a, a technique or a trick or a way of applying something. It's really a way of um, seeing your interfaces and sort of seeing them on a different level than maybe you've ever noticed before. It's maybe things that you just 
just never really thought about. So that takes a bit of time um, to kind of incorporate those into your daily work. Did you, I, I was going through your site, did you design or help with the uh, redesign of base elements? I did that. Yeah, that was my project. You yeah. did that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very yeah. nice. It looks... It was a stark contrast. I remember that was in, was that 16? Yes, it was 16. And um, yeah, what's interesting about that is that it was a bit of a, you know, a gut check on the part of, uh, of Nick from Goya uh, because it was so different from what they'd had before. Um, But I was just jumped at the chance to do that because I use base elements. And I, when I first uh, started using it, I was like, this is a great tool, but I don't know what I'm, I don't know what everything means. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you already knew uh, what it did, then it was kind of easier to understand, but I still struggled just understanding it. And it's like, I'm not a new developer. So how are people who are new to this coming to this and, and kind of understanding it off the bat? So yeah, we did the redesign and he sold, you know, um, really high after it, uh, that um that came out he had lots of sales people really interested in it and uh, it's done well so yeah it's i'm really happy with it today's episode is brought to you by auto when you work in a development environment that involves a dev and production server you need to deploy the files in a logical and consistent and secure manner and it's tough to do this manually though we as developers have done it for many years you no longer have to auto does all the deployment work automatically and get it? <laughs> auto and its accompanying auto migrator file allows you to deploy a feature-rich file to the production environment with a couple clicks of a button. Whether scheduled or on the fly, these migrations happen with small files and even very large files. Auto works this way. It first backs up the production file and then closes it. It clones the developer version and then transfers the dev version to the production server. Then it performs a data migration, and finally it opens up the new production file. With Auto Migrator 2.0 and Auto 2.43, the latest versions, you can upload one file to multiple servers at one time. Auto, automatic server-to-server file migration. So the reason I brought you on here and, and I wanted to talk is because you've you've done a lot of DevCon sessions. In 2019, you did one. I don't think you were there in 2018. Is that That's right? right? Yeah. But 2017. So in my time, I think I have, have attended and seen a lot of your sessions at DevCon. And the last one, uh, we'll, we'll put a link to the ones that we can find anyway <laughs> in, uh, in the show notes. But the last one was really intriguing to me. It was Beyond List View Workflow-Based Design for the Modern World. It's very interesting because FileMaker developers, we get into it to solve problems, and that usually involves scripting, right? It involves data structure, it involves scripting. And it's not often that we talk about design as solving problems for our customers and digitally transforming it. But obviously that's what you see primarily. That's right? exactly what design is. Uh, design is solving problems. Uh, you know, you have the problem of, you know, how do I um, allow the user to do something? You know, how do I make them understand how to achieve their goals? Uh, how do I translate, you know, what might be a manual process that's um, that's you know in the real world to something that's digital, and I think this is something we've struggled with since the computer age, right? Like this has always been an issue about there's this level of abstraction about the computer. It's on a screen. It's not something uh, tangible. So you know, in the early stages, we had metaphors like um, you know, uh, fol- documents, folders, uh, this sort of like office style um, metaphor that helped users in the early graphic user interface, especially once the Mac came on board, to understand how things are organized. So before that, it was all very text-based. You know, I remember in high school, we had, you know, a string of, uh, you know, MS-DOS programming computers in a in a serial, right? And if one went down, they all went down. Everyone closest to that, like after that, sorry, just was offline and everything was very text-based. It was all, you know, reading programming language and you had to have a lot of technical knowledge to even use the computer. And of course, you know, we don't have to rehash all the history, but we know that we've been moving more and more towards more graphical representations, which means 
you know, helping users understand what we want them to do, what they can do. And in the last few years, since we've had mobile devices, that's just exploded even more, uh, partially because we don't have as much real estate. We don't have as much screen real estate as, as we used to. On the other hand, people are really used to using computers. So we can drop some of those folder type metaphors. We don't need them as much anymore as a crutch uh, because people kind of understand more how to interact with a computer. And, and so one of the things we're trying to do when we design is make it as understandable as possible. And that's where the problem solving comes in, you know, is what are users expecting in the situation? What do they need to do? You know, uh, what type of task, you know, are they selecting? Are they sorting? Are they searching? Like all of those activities uh, require different, you know, solutions to them, different design patterns in effect. And we have, these are well established, so we can learn what those are. And then we can apply them in the situation where they're needed. So that's really what I think design is about. And I think people get sometimes hung up on the visual aspects of it. You know, they're really thinking design is about fonts and about colors. And to some extent it is. But in FileMaker in particular, I think it really is about the functional level. You can have kind of a so-so visual design as long as it's not, you know, too distracting with a lot of colors. But if you've got really good sort of solutions for the user's problems, that's awesome. That's really great. That's a good design, in my opinion. It's it's interesting. I I participate in the forums a lot and I see a lot of technical questions about techniques and scripts and script steps and functions. I rarely see any questions about design. And yet you your thesis and others as well is that the design is essential to solving the problem for the client, the, the workflow base versus just, uh, you know, other methods like the list view, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a bit. So that's interesting. And I think I'm glad that Claris now brings design into, <laughs> they have for many years, right? But I'm glad that it's part of, of DevCon. Um, I don't see it much in user groups. You're part of the uh, user group there up in Toronto? I am, yeah. Right? Uh, again, it tends to stick to the technical. I do um, present there um, usually yeah. ahead of ahead of DevCon or after DevCon. You know, and Beatrice uh, is in Toronto as well. She talks about design frequently also. Um, okay. I think it's just a struggle, you know. I think people, you know, f- computers in general are not as sophisticated you know, 20 plus years ago when most of us started as they are today. There just weren't the tools in the same way. But as I said, the mobile revolution and, you know, having iPads, having gestures, these things make design more important because we don't have a mouse. Like with a mouse, you can do other things uh, that you can't do with your fingers. Like you can select very precisely with a mouse. So, you know, you have more screen real estate, first of all, with the size of the screen, but also your targets can be smaller. So you can fit more buttons in, let's say, you know, you can have a row of quite a few buttons that people can hit precisely. On mobile, that's not going to work because people cannot, first of all, there's no space to fit so many choices. So you have to be more judicious. And another thing that design is, is about decision making, right? Deciding what you're going to put on the screen, what they're going to be able to do, how many steps is it going to be, how many choices are they going to have. Uh, One of my early presentations was about psychology and about perception. And, you know, people, as as you know, get overloaded when there's too many choices. So you have, you know, a small screen or, or limited, let's just say limited, because I think these apply to desktop as well. You have a limited amount of space. You have a whole bunch of things that you want people to be able to do and you're making some decisions about what you're going to show them when, you know, how many clicks is it going to take for them to get something accomplished? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Design is part of our job. When uh, Ernest Coe was on with me recently, he mentioned that FileMaker developers do themselves a disservice when we don't consider ourselves programmers and act like programmers and think like programmers. We, we kind of think we're pseudo programming. Same goes for design. Should FileMaker developers consider themselves designers? I think everybody should consider themselves a designer. I think with FileMaker, it's tough because one of the 
advantages is that we do everything, right? In a traditional pro- programming environment, a traditional programming language, these these roles are very strictly separated, especially when you're talking about large solutions. You know, there's somebody who's doing the design, somebody's doing the programming, someone who's doing maybe the project management. In FileMaker, we've always kind of done everything. And I think it's a good point to think of ourselves as each of those roles, as opposed to none of those roles. Um, you're always designing. The question is, are you designing good designs or not? And to some extent, that can be a matter of taste. I think when we're talking about, you know, the minutia of visual designs, you know, drop shadows versus not or flat design or whatever those trends are. But I think I would like to keep the focus on like the concept of design itself. And we get sometimes like caught up with the minutia of something and you have to take a step back and think about you know, what we said before, are we solving people's problems? So from that perspective, of course, your, your FileMaker solution is designed. Like you've put something on the screen, you've made some decisions about what you're going to show, what buttons you're going to put, what fields you're going to show that's design. Now, is it, is it, could it be better? You know, like, um, is there too much on the screen? Have you given the user the right controls? Are they easily able to do what they want? Like those are design questions. So, yeah, I think everyone is designing to some extent, and the more they know about it, you know, the better they can they can do that job. It's not design is not just how pretty it looks. No. The aesthetics of it. It's <laughs> that's probably, you know, number 10 on the list of important things when it comes to design. You mentioned you can have a so-so looking app, but as long as it works and it solves the problem for the client, they're going to use that, right? Yeah, I I would much prefer having a so-so looking app that works really well than a kind of really beautiful app that the users can't figure out how to use it. You know, sometimes we, we sort of went through this period of extreme minimalism at one point, and I've had apps where like, I I literally don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with this like I don't know how to initiate an action like there's no mm-hmm. clues right you know that said people can get used to like really bad design if they're kind of just used to it so I think sometimes a lot of FileMaker solutions have been around for like a really long time they've got a long history and you tend to add stuff over time so you know you may have started building it 20 years ago and then nobody ever did anything about it it's just a redesign uh, sorry it's not a redesign it's never been redesigned and you just keep adding stuff and just after a while, you know, it looks like like really awful. I've seen some really solutions where I was like, how do people use this? And the reality is they have problems when somebody new comes to the company. There was one where it was like, they're like, yeah, it takes us like six weeks to train people on on the FileMaker yeah. solution because it does so much. It's very functional, but it's just a cluttered mess. Uh, there's stuff everywhere. There's very specific you know, scripts attached to buttons that have like, you know, Bob's button, you know, and you're like, I don't know what that does. <laughs> like could do anything, right? You're caught in between these new people coming in and the the people who have been there for a long time who know, who just tune out the design, but know where their buttons are. It took them six weeks to maybe learn it, but now they've learned it. They don't want to change it, right? So you're kind of that's that's a tough situation where the developer wants to redesign and the client's like no i don't really want to so fortunately those people don't really come to me because you know i'm known for design when they're coming to me they've already made the decision that they need to redesign a lot of times what happens is there's an inflection point in the growth of the company so they're like we actually can't grow you know we can see we have a market we've got a good product we could we could take market share but we're at the capacity to kind of build on what we've got. Like we've taken our solution to the point where we've sort of maxed it out with the people that we've got. If we wanted to hire, let's say, you know, 20 more people, we wouldn't really be able to continue with this sort of haphazard way of, you know, training or like so-and-so in accounting knows the process, but nobody else does. So if that person leaves on holiday or gets sick, it's like the, the, company grinds to a halt. Like how can a company sort of base their growth strategy on that kind of situation? So that's more common in smaller companies where, you know, it's a few people and they've got a small FileMaker solution. I mean, that's, they're just like, well, these are the people that we've got. This is what we're doing. And it's just business as usual. 
But for people who are have clients who kind of want to go to the next level, a redesign can often um, provide them that ability to be to confidently kind of take the next step. It's like, oh, you know, we're going to bring somebody in. We're going to teach them the job, and then we can take them through how the solution supports their job activities, and then they can you know run with it basically at that point. I, I see for sure people who have been there for a while don't want to redesign because they're, they've got the muscle memory of where it is. They've got yep. the mouse memory, right? But I'm learning, talking with you and other designers, people who focus on that part of the FileMaker platform, a good design solves the problems and gets the work done, allows the work to get done, but it also is rather intuitive or it takes less training. So even though buttons have moved and um, the list view doesn't look like a list view anymore, people can pick it up faster because it's a better yeah, design. Yeah, is it right? is. It's, you always have to be careful because people anywhere, it doesn't matter what job they're in, are resistant to change. Um, and so when you're talking yeah. about uh, redesign, you're talking about sort of change management, which isn't really talked about much, I think, in the FileMaker world. But it's something that I do with my clients. That's sort of one of the value adds that, that I bring when I do a project is that, um, you know, I, I, because I'm the designer, often I'm sitting with the users and either watching what they're doing or, you know, having them ask me questions. So I kind of can get a sense of like where they're struggling or where they think something is easy and then you have you always have people like people are kind of split and it doesn't really matter what you're talking about just in terms of change you know for the sake of of explaining you let's say you have like one third who are like early adopters you can see this like when new technology comes out there's people lining up wanting to get it to be the first one it, oh it's cool it's new i want to check it out what is this how can this help me I want to I want to push every button and try everything, right? You've got so in any company you've got a bunch a handful of people who are like that. Then you have people in the middle who are like and I'm kind of following the middle myself. Well, I want to see if it's useful, right? I want to see other people check it out first, and if they say it's it's good, then I'm going to try it and I'm going to kind of take a look and see what I can, you know, get from it. And then you're going to have another group of people who are like I don't want to change. I'm I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing. I don't want any extra work because I'm already, you know, up to my eyeballs with my regular work. And now you're asking me to learn something new. Like, why would I do that? So uh, when you're mm -hmm. installing, you know, a new system, you've been asked to do something and you're now bringing it to the client, you know, getting people to use it is its own activity. I mean, it's not a design activity specifically, but um, it's, it's important. So, like you said, you've got these people with muscle memory, you know, kind of coaching them and convincing them to try something new can be a bit of a challenge. Now, that said, if you've been asked to redesign something, yeah. then someone at the top has deemed important, right? Yep. So I always try to find advantages for everybody. What are the advantages to doing this? Because if there's no advantages, why are we redesigning? Like, don't bother, right? If you're not going to, if you're not expecting some kind of return on your investment, then don't do the investment. That doesn't make any sense. But normally you've already made the case. And so, you know, what is the advantage to the user? So the very, very end user, all of them, you've got your roles, you know who they are. Maybe they're going to get better information. Maybe, you know, people are going to stop coming to them and asking a hundred times a day, where's this thing at? Like, what have you done today? They're going to be able to put that in. And then other people in the office are going to be able to just go to the same data source as them and check on it without bothering them. You know, you can usually find those sorts of things. So it's not really a design um, activity, but uh, supporting users through that change is really helpful for, for them, for the, for the success of the project overall. Okay, so let's talk about specific design changes. Um, I, I know that we could talk forever on how to get people to change. My thesis, and I, I think you and other designers agree, is if if the design is easier to understand, people can pick it up and use it use it faster and find find more efficiency in the way that you've redesigned it. So 
one thing you the, the your session at DevCon in, in 2019 was uh, be, again beyond list view workflow based design for the modern world, and in it you let me make, make sure I get this correct, but you challenge FileMaker developer designers to not not rely on the traditional model, the traditional pattern of list and detail view. Mm-hmm. And you 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 put out that challenge there and your whole reason is because that doesn't support a modern workflow. Well, obviously it's based, that's part of your title, but it doesn't support the work that people need to get done. It supports the tables that are underneath it. It looks just like the tables that are underneath the two layouts, but it really doesn't have anything to do with workflow. Is that correct? I mean, yes. In a nutshell, yes. I would hesitate to make absolute statements about, you know, never use list and form view or, you know, we should throw this out completely or whatever, because it depends on the situation. But what I wanted people to do is really like stop just defaulting to that. And every, you know, solution that they create, they just default to list and form view and leave it at that. And that's how they do their structure because that's what they know. So it, it could be that that is the most useful um, setup and the most useful um, pattern for people to use in a given situation. But I think we rely on it in situations where we could do better. That's really kind of the, okay. the crux of, of the um, session itself. So let's see if we can identify the times when can you give me an instance when a list detail view might is better for yes. people? Yes. So when people are reporting, like let's say you have a, a user who wants to review, you know, the the year's results. That is a list view with a summary parts. And it's possible that okay. they may want to click into individual uh, records for that. But my experience is that reporting is an occasional um activity. There's very few users who are reporting all day long. Most people are, um, are are using FileMaker for collecting data. So they're inputting information about um, something that they've done or something that's important to keep track of. And there's a few people who are reporting on stuff. Um, that's why I say it's, it's not they never use list and form view, but do you really want to structure your entire solution around list and form view? That's really the question. What if I were a um, warehouse manager and I was interested in looking at my products and yep. just, you know, making sure the inventory is correct? Is that, you know, so I, I, I log in and I see a list of products. So I would say, yes, perfectly if, if your job, so I, I talk about the Pareto principle in the session as well, which talks about, you know, 80% of your results come from 20% of your features in effect is, is the short version of that. So if 80% of your job is looking over your product list, then go for it. Sure. That's the most important thing. That's what the person's most likely to want to see, then absolutely put them there. But if that's only like part of what they do, what else are they interested in? Um, Maybe that isn't the first thing that they see. Maybe they see a menu of or a dashboard where they can use as a jumping off point possibly into their product view, which is which absolutely could be list in detail. But I think what I'm cautioning against is saying, well, because I have somebody who wants to see a list informed view, I'm going to arrange every area of the system around that, right? That can be a section of the system. Okay. But if people are trying to do other activities, then that may not be the way that you want to organize everything. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. It does. Because it's it's about the workflow. And so you really have to get at the workflow of the different departments or the different parts of the the app and see decide which is the best which pattern is the best to pick pick up right? exactly um how do you how do you, you know, this is this is going to be a big conversation but how do you decide list view is the right way versus a non-traditional list view uh do you ask the people? Do you watch them? What's yeah, your... you mostly ask them. I think, I mean, of course you do watch them at a certain point, but the problem with looking at what they're doing now is that 
you tend to just keep give them what they already have. And so, you know, you have to try to think outside of what they're already doing. I tend to watch people in the early stages of when they're actually using whatever it is that I've created to make sure that I gave them, you know, the right thing. In terms of deciding whether ListView is correct, I think it really depends on whether or not they need to see that set of records. So what are they expecting? You know, given what their activity is, what's the best way to show that to them? So you use the the example of a product list. I think the problem I have is like, do they really want to see the list or do they want to see a particular product or a group of products? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like if you go to a website and you are shopping, they sort of show you, uh, you know, a group, a collection of, of things, but it's undifferentiated. And you're going to probably have to search for something. Is it better to just provide them with a, the ability to find what they're looking for easily as opposed to just presenting them with the list? And I'm not saying there's a definitive answer on this. Um, maybe the list view by default is, mm-hmm. but, you know, from a performance perspective, why load all those records if, if the first thing they're going to do is search? Yeah, And it's not like they're shopping, you know, where you have to attract people and sort of get them interested in what, what you're doing. Like they're trying to do their job. Right. So that's, those are the kind of questions I'm hoping people will ask. But list view is really hard to break away from. I've worked with uh, clients. I've talked with people um, that, that just are like, no, it's, it's list view mm-hmm. or the highway. Right. Um, have you encountered that? And <laughs> What do you, we, we haven't even really described the, the workflow based, but how do you, we'll get to that in a minute, but how do you deal with people who are just like stuck on list view, even though you can see from your experience that that is not the best way to go? So whenever you have a design decision, I believe it's important to justify the decision, even to yourself. There's a reason why you're recommending one approach and you communicate that with your client. Now, if you fail to make the case for some for whatever reason, they just don't want to listen to it or, you, you know, they just prefer to do things a different way, then you have to listen to the user. I mean, ultimately, the users are the ones you're creating for and they have preferences, even though you may not agree with with their preferences. And at that point, you just do the best you can. You know, they're paying you. So if that's really, really what they want and you've kind of tried to make your case of why something else would, would be better, but they're sort of insisting, then I would basically go with what what they are asking for. But I would still try to make make my case. I would try to explain, you know, and visually if possible, because I find people respond better to what they can see. Well, sometimes when we're talking about things, you know, we have a really clear idea. We know FileMaker, we know data structure. We can talk about it in the abstract, you know, on a podcast and everyone who knows what we know kind of understands that. And we forget sometimes the clients don't and, and individuals have different levels of ability to imagine things, how it's going to be in their mind. So, you know, part of making your case might be making a little mock-up you know, if it's in FileMaker or or in some sort of graphics program, really comfortable with FileMaker, just do it in FileMaker and say, this is how I see it working. You know, maybe you can invest, you know, a half hour, minimal amount of time to kind of show what you mean. Because if you just say what you mean, they might be more resistant to it. Whereas if you can show them, this is what I'm thinking about. This is how I think it would work. Even it could be just a sketch, you know, like just on paper, but to just kind of demonstrate. So that's part of the sort of like making your case. Um, But ultimately, you know, the client doesn't want something, you know, you're not going to force it on them. In this audio podcast, can you describe a workflow that doesn't lend itself to the the, uh, list detail format? So I think when we're talking about editing records, a lot of times you've just sort of, FileMakers allowed us to just edit in place right? It's very common to just be able to just change information on a, on a um, layout without sort of going somewhere and saving it, you know, in like a traditional program. But uh, you've probably seen this. You ever seen the first record in a table gets totally messed up over time? Oh, yeah. Right. And that's because users have been like editing that record by accident right? Not usually for any malicious reason, just it's the first record in the database and they just, they overwrite stuff by accident. So 
I think that a workflow-based design would involve actually explicitly editing. And I showed this in the, um, in the uh, talk where, you know, the main view that you have, because so of course you do have form views. We're not talking about <laughs> never have a form view, mm -hmm. uh, but then that display can be condensed and can be optimized for reading the information. Um, because you have to remember, we read very frequently and we only usually input relatively infrequently. So if we're importing it once, we might read it, you know, like if you're working on a job for six months, how many times do you read that information to see what's, what's going on? You really only input it at the beginning and you're adding a little bit of it as you go kind of thing. So the need to edit is actually usually confined to the setting something up uh, or like sort of small, small bite-sized pieces of the, of the actual work that's being done. The workflow that I showed was, you know, when you edit something, you actually click a button to edit it and then it's optimized. That is a card window that's optimized for um, entering information. And then you have the opportunity as a developer to validate whatever rules and enforce whatever mm -hmm. rules you want, right? Because that's an important part of the FileMaker solutions is, you know, did they put in what we, did they leave something blank? You know, did they put in numbers where we were expecting text or vice versa? Like those kinds of things. And then you can close it and then you're back to your, you know, optimized view. So that's kind of an example of a workflow. I appreciate that. Your workflow design is solving not only the workflow problems, but it's also designing, it's solving the technical problems of, you mentioned like validation rules, messing up the first record, uh, the life cycle of a record, right? Locking the record to make sure no one else can edit this and we get some record locking issues. So using this kind of design, uh, work, this workflow design is is solving a lot of problems. <laughs> so that's... Hopefully, yeah. As many as you can at once, <laughs> if it's possible. I'm, yeah. From, from uh, YouTube, I'm looking at your uh, design dashboard, uh, the projects, and you do have a list view. You have recent projects, but... Um, other than the dashboard that they log into or see them first, I see one project and I see um, a bunch of, of areas, cards or, or spaces for the different data. But then you do have a list of the, the most recent project. I'm not sure that I saw it in the video, but is there an actual list in this of all the projects? Would someone need to see all the projects in this example? So um, there's a list in the results, search results. So um, if you go to search for something, it'll give you a list of matching results and that's that sort of a list. So this particular solution, the projects are managed by salespeople and the salespeople do not see each other's projects at all. So okay. they're, they never would see the entire set anyway. They're only ever looking at a you know a set of their projects. So there would be a separate reporting, which would allow them to, like I said earlier, reporting is an area where a list view is really helpful because you can see sort of an overview. But no, there isn't a, like a, yeah. a dedicated. This is everything that I see. But, but honestly, like I think that makes developers really uncomfortable because yeah. we're used to sort of administering the database and looking over the whole set and we want to see you know how many work records were created and so on and, and i think that's still valid for us but users i don't think that they really want to see that as often and at least in this particular case for this particular client okay they actually don't really need to see that broken out but there are ways to do that so there's a popover that has a recent projects list if you wanted to, you could allow them to, you know, click something in that popover that showed them everything. If that was kind of like what you wanted to do and then allow them to navigate uh, back. And that's sort of similar to what they do in the search, you know, except they're they're putting in a particular search criteria and they get their list and then they click on one to go to it. I'm sitting here, um, my notes for my talk with you, I'm using this new app that Todd found and recommended. It's called Roam <laughs> Research. And it's just a note-taking app that it actually, as I'm looking at it, it doesn't have a list view. Well, it does. It's, it's basically my notes for every day that I log in and I do the work. And when I first come in, the first thing that it gives me is a kind of a form view of today's notes and it's just a bullet pointed list and i kind of have to click a couple clicks to see the all the pages mm -hmm. and all of my days 
But as I'm thinking about it, I don't need to see all of my days. I need to see, or all of my pages. I need to see the one that I'm on now and the day that I want to write the notes for. So this is a particular case when list view is not important to me at all. If I want to do a search, I can uh, find, the, find any day of the week, any note that I took in the search box. So they must have listened to you at DevCon. Because <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really great example. I think what I'm saying is that rather than giving users generic tools, because I, I think that's what we had available to us you know, in the past, we give them specific tools. So a list view okay. is kind of a generic tool, right? Like, well, we don't know what you're going to want to look at. Here's a list. Find what you want. What I'm saying is like, why don't we actually think about what they want to see, find out what their top you know, needs are, and rather than making them do the legwork, like bring it to them and like give them the those top tools right front and center. And there may still be a need for a generic tool somewhere in the system. I'm not saying you should just get rid of it completely. Sure. But how about we use all of the tools at our disposal to make it easier for them? Because just think about for yourself, if you're using an app, do you really want to have to do all that legwork? Like just considering the number of apps that we have on our phones, the number of clicks that you have to do to get something done really starts to matter to you, you know, when you're busy and, um, you you have to accomplish something. So I'm just suggesting mm -hmm. we kind of follow the model that's been established elsewhere and use that to our advantage. Uh, let me know if you can't answer this question, but for this, this particular client, when you presented this, obviously you didn't surprise them one day and it was brand new. You you prototyped it with them, I assume. You showed them mockups, you explained, demoed, and you did testing. But did they find this workflow-based approach much easier? Yes. So there was some resistance um, with one person okay. in particular. And uh, that's how I came up with the session, actually. He's like, well, where's the list view? And I said, do you need a list view? And he was like, well... I said, well, how about this? If if we if we encounter a situation where we need to put one in, we'll put one in. Like I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, but at at the point where we were at, I didn't see the use case for it. But now it is uh, they 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 do like it. Like they like having the dashboard. The dashboards have lots of lists in them. It's not like there are no list views, and they do go into form. So they are sort of similar. They're they're doing the similar interaction where they're they're seeing a list, although it's in a portal, and they're clicking and they're going into a form. But what's different about it is that the hierarchy and the structure of the uh, solution isn't structured around all the entities. Uh, and then everything is like a global navigation at the top. And, you know, every, every table is structured the same way for consistency's sake. That's what's different mm -hmm. about it. So they find it really useful to do it. And there's no status toolbar. That helps because if, if you're trying to implement this and you're showing the status toolbar, it's a little bit confusing because, you know, you're actually, you're not wanting them to see how many are in the set because what's relevant to them is where they're, where they're on, not the, the group of records that are available to them. Like we use the, I, I personally as a developer slide around the set quite a bit to just see what's going on or uh, see how many records are there or all that kind of stuff. Users care about that much less than we do, essentially. Well, this is a this is a very interesting um, idea, and I, I I look forward to seeing it more. I assume this person that you this this client that you worked with um, they already had a FileMaker solution. Yes, they did. And it was a redesign. I wonder if, and you mentioned I think you mentioned this earlier, but I wonder if this would be an easier sell to bringing this into a company where they don't have FileMaker and they're looking for an app to, you know, handle their business logic, right? Uh, possibly. I mean, this was a, not actually a redesign. This is a new module to an existing system. So they oh. still have their existing system and they had this new functionality that they wanted to implement that they never had before. And they came to me after one of my sessions and said, you know, we'd like something different. You know, what can you provide to us? And, uh, and I came up with this and they were, they were willing to try it. Let's say that. So there was a bit uh -huh. of resistance, um, about like wondering whether it would work or not. 
and and but they were ultimately willing to give it a go because I think they could see that it kind of strips away some of the architecture for the user and just lets them focus on what they're doing. I have a second client who is implementing a very similar design and so and they also have an existing system. So I think it's not so much whether it's a new FileMaker install or not. I think it's more about the willingness of the client to to do something, what their goals are. Like, are they willing to try something different? Or obviously it's going to be easier if somebody's like, yeah, I like that. That would work mm -hmm. for me. Let's try it, you know? As people start to use more apps outside of FileMaker, you know, they're using QuickBooks Online, they're using, you know, 20 apps a day. Should we Should we think about other apps designs when designing an app um, in FileMaker? Do we want people to have to like learn a whole new set of keystrokes and 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 placements of buttons and such? I'm thinking of QuickBooks Online, for example. If people use QuickBooks Online as their as their accounting system, and then they go back into their FileMaker app to look at the uh, synced up products and such sales and so forth. Should those be similar or does it matter that they're different workflows, they're different uh, designs? That's a hard question. Um, on the one hand, if you have two sets of data that are essentially the same, but they're presented differently, you have to ask why they're presented differently. Is it because there's some reason, you know, because FileMaker mm -hmm. maybe has extra information linking to somewhere else in the system that QuickBooks doesn't have. Um, I think there's a danger in trying to replicate an app exactly because FileMaker isn't QuickBooks and there's certain things that uh, FileMaker handles. I can't think of an example right now, but um, like animations, you know, they're slightly different in FileMaker. And then I think Don Levan used to talk about the uncanny valley. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if it looks almost the same, but not quite, you're like, this is just like low rent QuickBooks. Like, what am I using here? Uh -huh. So you don't want to really convey that impression by trying to be too slavishly exact with QuickBooks because then the user can kind of get it's not the same, but then they don't know what's wrong and they just sort of feel unsettled. Yeah. But I think you can possibly be inspired. I think as developers, we should look at how is QuickBooks solving this problem? You know, what are they doing? We can do something similar, possibly. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily try to replicate it exactly, but I think we would definitely be inspired by what other app developers are doing, what the standards are in, you know, app design in general, because it makes our job easier. If people have learned something somewhere else, we don't have to reteach them, you know, how to do that. Um, so we can leverage their knowledge, you know, like we forget users have all this knowledge in their heads about places they've been and, apps they've interacted with and they've been sort of trained, right? Like I think when um, the iPad first came or even the iPhone, it was like, you know, will people understand how to swipe, you know, like, you know, or it's pinch and zoom, like these were brand new things. But now that we have them, you know, you can use them if, if it makes sense, since users have already learned it somewhere else, like uh, how to add a record or how to um, sort or whatever. Like we don't have to reinvent those things. We can see what other people are doing and then use a similar pattern for ourselves. But I would caution against trying to reproduce Gosh. exactly some other, <laughs> I don't know if that was really what you were suggesting, but I'm just throwing that out there. Okay. Very cool. Uh, let's, let's talk about your, you and your design, um, process. Um, what, what tools do you use Outside of the FileMaker design space, what tools do you use to set up your design? Uh, I use OmniGraffle a lot. Um, it can be any any program that allows you to um, make diagrams or workflows. I think Visio on the on the uh, PC. Basically, I use it to sort of sort out the data structure. Uh, I use it to actually create workflow diagrams that describe how the work is flowing, how the data is flowing through the system. I use it just when I feel a bit confused about, or there's just a lot of information. I just want to make notes and I can just make, put a bunch of stuff up. Uh, I personally find it and probably other people are like this where if it's all in my head and it gets to be too much, I start to feel a bit overwhelmed and um, I feel the need to just, I, I say it, I feel the diagram coming on. So <laughs> I open OmniGraffle and I just start drawing uh, diagrams and 
making notes and stuff. So that's really useful. It also helps in screen sharing because then you can kind of both talk about the diagram. Like, do I have this right? Like, let's say you're trying to set up the the um, data structure and you're trying to figure out if there it's a one-to-one or one-to-many, you can kind of create diagrams um, for, for that and then, you know, check, you know, with your client if that if that's their real understanding. I use balsamic mockups to do sort of uh, the very preliminary design. So if I want to draw the initial screens and I'm thinking of a particular setup, then I'll use mockups to draw that, um, especially if I'm, you know, with people so remotely, just sketch on pen and paper if if we're in the same room or use sticky notes and things like that. Um, when, when you're physically with people, that's really helpful if you're brainstorming. Balsamic mockups is really great because you can focus on just what you're building, not what it looks like or FOMIC or interaction or any of the other, doesn't really have to be that accurate. So it's great for just throwing all your thoughts out and sort of coming to a conclusion about what you should actually be building. I'm trying to think what else I use in terms of software, you know, just, just general image searches for other people's um, designs and look at what other people have done. How have other people solved the same problem I, uh, I'm looking at right now? You use Adobe Color? Um, sometimes. Um, okay. Yeah, I kind of... Do you just know what colors go together? You don't really need to use a, a color palette generator? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have I have a, an article on color, which I think uh, is really helpful. And uh, it has some of those... I should probably check to make sure some of those uh, links are still active. But yeah, if you're not sure, I think it really is helpful to look at a color uh, palette generator because then it gives you a sense of like, what should my base color be? What should my accent color be? But I've, I think I said this before, you can actually produce a really nice solution like basically with one color. You don't have mm-hmm. to really mix and match too much. You can if you want to, uh, in which case, if you're not sure how that is going to look, then for sure use uh, use Adobe Color or, or there's like a few of them out there. I think Pinterest has a million color palette uh, and even probably UI specific color palette um examples but again you can use like let's say you choose blue you're like okay i'm gonna make my bar blue my buttons are going to be blue my text is going to be white on the buttons you know when it's on a dark background and it's going to be black on a light background and that's it you know i think that's valid so we we talked clear back at the beginning about design uh, development shops what would be your ideal setup would would you have somebody who is just focused on the design and then another person who is just focused on the the functionality structure of it? Or are those two things so intertwined it's really hard to separate them? I think it depends um, how big your team is, like a lot of factors. I, I don't know that I would be able to say there's one ideal way. Um, I oh. think it, you know, if a separate person is doing the design, I think it's helpful for them to know FileMaker um, because sometimes a lot of designers who are sort of like uh, dedicated designers, there's no training for FileMaker, you know, specifically for FileMaker design. If, if you go to college, you're going to get UI design for the web. And those people might, you know, get picked mm-hmm. up by um, by a FileMaker uh, shop and, and be doing design. But FileMaker design is different from the design for the web. So if they understand FileMaker design and they're, they're the separate person doing it, that's really helpful. But I, I also think that uh, it depends who, who's talking to the client and whether the developer is the one actually, you know, doing the, the requirements, gathering the discussions with the client. Um, if that's the case, then it's really helpful for them to understand design. So I guess what I'm saying is everybody should understand both to some extent in order to do their job better, whether it's a separate person or whether it's the same person. Uh, I find it's always better for me if I can talk directly to the client, because then I get a better sense of what it is that um, they're looking for, like how I can solve their problems. Sometimes, you know, I don't speak to the client directly. I, I speak to the developer who's actually, you know, also the client uh, manager representative. And so I'm getting it translated so that's sort of dependent on, you know, how well are they translating the the needs um, to me? And then I'm sort of trying to adapt to what I've been asked to do. But my ideal situation is where I speak to them directly and then I can gain an understanding uh, of, of what it is that they're looking for. So I know you were probably looking for a, st- a clear cut answer, you know, always do it this way. <laughs> but 
I think it does depend. And I think a lot of places don't have dedicated designers, so they don't have that luxury of making the choice. So my personal opinion is if everybody can do design better, then that's awesome. Desi- designers can understand, you know, how FileMaker is different and how it works, then that's that's also awesome. So it probably depends on the project. Matt O'Dell's 2000 session, 2019 DevCon session, he suggested to his the people that at DevCon that they they very politely talk to people at at Claris and suggest a few changes to the design uh, interface, the design tools in our platform. Um, what would you want to change in that? Um, there's probably like some like really sort of fiddly little specific things that I could think about. But one thing I would love to see would be like, I, I would love to see some updates to the object anchors. Like one thing that I found difficult to do or actually impossible is being able to resize objects evenly that uh, when it's split into more than two parts. So if you think about the way that the design surface is right now, you have, let's say, two columns, like two columns um, layout, and then you can anchor the left uh, column to the left. And then if you want the right column to stretch, you can anchor it to the right. And so then if you op- if you stretch the window, if those things are only anchored, that'd be like a kind of a space in the middle. So it'd be nice if they stretched evenly, I guess. And let's say if you had three objects that if you drag, if you dragged it open, it, like all three would evenly um, stretch. So that's one thing that I've found that sort okay. of would be like, oh, it would be great if, if I could make this happen. Yeah, you know what? I I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. Probably if I was to really give it some thought, I could come up with some things. But overall, I think it's pretty good. And I think that okay. we can still make really great interfaces with what we have. As, uh, of course, you know, if you're used to using Photoshop and a lot of other things, there might be sort of like nice, nice to have that you would you would wish for in terms of the way that it works. And and I'll let Matt send his list <laughs> to Claris. I'm sure he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he probably did. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I I sort of focus on what we've got, and I think what we've got is is pretty good. It's not perfect, but it's it's decent. Like we can still make really great interfaces uh, with what we have and. Yeah, so um, so that's kind of where I stand on that. And we do see those good interfaces all the time. We see that at DevCon. We see that in you know in 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 different blog sites. As I look through yours, I see a lot of interfaces that look good. The base elements interface looks great. Um, so we can do it. I I, I get that. Um, I just know yeah. that you know styles is one thing. I think everybody wishes was a little. I think even people at Claris wish was a little bit. You know, if we had cascading styles, if we had um, styles that, you know, it was, yeah, there's a lot I think that could be done with styles, but. Um, yeah, I think managing styles could be a little bit easier. Managing the themes could be a bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of what we can change, it's it's not bad. I, there, I found a really weird bug the other day where if you put placeholder text into a field, the it sort of uh, kills the hover style. Um, but I think that's actually just a bug as opposed to, you know, okay. an oversight. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, like I said, there's stuff like that, that we could probably dig in and be like this or that. And, you know, we have to remember Claris is trying to give uh, something for everybody, right? That So I, I hesitate to say, well, I want it this way because that's how I like to work. But um, yeah, I agree. Styles could be a little bit um, better managed. It would be nice actually to be able to pinpoint uh, objects uh, on the layout that that um, have a particular style you know okay. stuff like that you know if you're trying to change sometimes you, it's really hard to find stuff that's not uh, that's locally styled you kind of have to select everything and look for the red triangle it might be nice to Good have some improvements there yeah see now that i've asked you your your brain is flowing and <laughs> i'm sure okay. i'll see a blog post about okay. that soon right <laughs> so well, Alexis, thank you uh, for your time. I, I really, I like your session. I've listened to it a couple of times and, and I think that it's worth at least consideration moving beyond the, the list in detail because people care about workflows. They keep, people care about getting their job done. And if list in detail is not the right way, and may, then, then we need to know 
how to design differently. We need to know how to design for the modern workflow. So uh, I appreciate you at least bringing that into the community and and uh, causing you know people to think about it. And, and you get to sh- we get to share that with our audience too. So that's awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks, Jeremy. You're welcome. What uh, what was your website again? And how can people contact you and, and say hi, ask questions, uh, get you for coaching? Yeah, so um, the website is fmdesignuniversity.com. And there's a contact form there. You can uh, send me a uh, an email there. And um, I'm going to be starting actually a Facebook group. Uh, you had mentioned earlier about not having somewhere to ask design questions. So I think it's uh, probably overdue to have a, a forum just specifically for FileMaker design. So um, I'm, I'm still in the beta stages, you know, planning it all out. Um, but um, yeah, I, I keep an eye out for that. I'm going to, uh, I'll post it on my blog when it uh, goes live so that um, people can find it. So just go to fmdesignuniversity.com and uh, it'll be there. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, Alexis. We'll uh, be sure and link that uh, to this show, to the in the show notes, um, at least your page. I uh, appreciate you coming on, and I, I know you've got to uh, get back because you've got some good ideas for Claris Engage this year. That's right, right? Yep. You don't have to tell uh, us, but you're 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 inspired to uh, present more design at Claris Engage this year. I really hope I do get the opportunity to do that. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, uh, Alexis, and we'll talk later. Okay. Thanks, Jeremy. And that brings us to the end of another episode of The Context Podcast. Thank you to Alexis Allen for her time and for her innovative and logical thoughts about design. Catch more discussions on this and other design on her new Facebook page, FileMaker UI UX Design Community. If you would, please take a moment to rate and review The Context Podcast. We appreciate the feedback you've given and the suggestion folks have made. We look forward to hearing from you also at support at geistinteractive.com as you offer up topic ideas. Until next week, remember, the Context Podcast is king.